Welcome to the Designated Drinker Show, the podcast that's raising the bar on craft cocktails. I am your host, Louise Solis, and with me is my very, very talented friend, who is sometimes weird and always a bit wacky, the mixtress DC Gina. <laughs> that's probably the most appropriate that you've ever given me. I am definitely weird. Well, I think it's a little bit of the pot <laughs> calling the kettle black, so I should be careful, yeah? <laughs> You know, I'm, I'm kind of like sitting here looking out the window right now and I'm watching a gopher go by and I'm like, why is that so intriguing to me? I don't know. Maybe I am weird. Well, it's better to be weird than normal, I think. So, yeah, we both know that some things are just a little too hard to believe, right? Or just really tough to believe. And our world is, like we said, it's filled with wacky and fun facts. So I got a few for you, Gina. You ready? All right. All right. These are just fun. Um, do you know it would take you 19 minutes to fall from the North Pole to the Earth's core? Wow. Okay. Okay. All right. And and then while you're on that safari in Africa, I want to make sure you don't take that little Porsche of yours. Because apparently a hippo's jaw can open wide enough to take in the entire car. So I wouldn't want that to happen to you. So don't take the Porsche to saf- on your safari. Good thing I don't have one, but we're, we're, we're going with that. <laughs> okay, and now here's a few more for you. You gotta sell a lot of bagels for a Porsche. <laughs> <laughs> All right, did you know that the Greenland shark has the average lifespan of 272 years. No. And they've actually have, a, it's recorded that they have had lived lo- as many as 500 years. Wow. I didn't even know there was a thing called a Greenland shark. Greenland shark. So you mm-hmm. said? Greenland shark. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing. And I got one more crazy fact for you. And this one's. Does that shark sell shoes? <laughs> I mean, I would know that person then <laughs> if there was a brand of shoes. But. But would it on. would it go 272 years though? That would be interesting. That'd be a lot of shoes. I mean, you know, good leather can last. Move on. All right, this is the last one, and I don't think you want to make shoes out of this one. Do you know that Scotland's national animal? When I read this, I totally thought of you. Their national animal is a unicorn. <laughs> <laughs> I know what their national flower is. It's a thistle. And maybe those unicorns eat the thistle. I don't know, but that is their their that's recorded as their national animal. So a unicorn. Well, it makes sense. Have you ever been to Scotland? I have not, but I could see I could see unicorns romping about. I would assume. I mean, it is it's a very mythical medieval place. So maybe. So. All right. I'd love to know how to tie this all in, but I'm into it. Go ahead. You know, I work hard at this. I drink a lot (laughs) and stay up late and write these. So speaking of things that are hard to believe, can you believe today's designated drinker, who also may be a unicorn, he leads the digital content engagement for Uncle Nearest Distilling. He is Mac Newell. Welcome to the show, Mac. Listen, I am thrilled to be here, especially after hearing those facts. Are you kidding me? Are you a unicorn? Our listeners want to know. (laughs) <laughs> I'm, I'm not a unicorn, but I do have something to add to unicorn. Go. Add it. Yeah, we actually call our 1820 the unicorn. Oh. See, I knew that. I knew that. That's why. <laughs> well, that's why you said it. I mean, that's what I was thinking, at least. You know, well, I, well let, me, let me say this. I coined, I coined it the unicorn. And since then, I think the community has understood what we're saying by that. But the 1820 is, has become the unicorn. Uh, for us. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us, well, I want to jump right in and you already started there. 
can you tell us a little bit about Uncle Nearest? Tell us the history and what you guys are all about. Absolutely. Um, first, I got to ask, how much do I have? A, do I have a lot of time to talk about that? Because <laughs> it's, it's a, it can be a long or a short story. I can give you the more abbreviated one. Oh, we like it's a little all bit long. We want to know. Yeah, a little bit long. Okay, it's, well, look. It's it. This is your show, Mac. Oh, th- then there you go. Well, look, we're going to take our time with this one. Okay, that's. I prefer with whiskey. I prefer to take my time with everything. Now we're doing vodka. A little bit different. But with whiskey, I like to take my time. So, Mark is the quick um, and dirty. There you go. And this is not going to be the quick and dirty. <laughs> this is the old and slow. Um, but, uh, <laughs> so the really cool thing about Uncle Nearest, I think that most people really got in, got involved with, is the actual story of Uncle Nearest himself. Um, for those that do not know the, the story of Uncle Nearest, of course, is easily found now on the Internet. But I'll go ahead and touch on it. So Uncle Nearest, we believe, was born in 1820 in our area, in Maryland, so um, in the DMV. But he was born in Maryland. We're not exactly sure exactly where, but we do know 1820, he was born in Maryland. From there, uh, he came down to Lynchburg, Tennessee, to the Dan Call farm. Dan Call was a pastor that distilled whiskey. And I like to joke that a lot of people were excited about communion. I mean, I would imagine. <laughs> you know, they're like, hey, it's coming. It's gonna be some good stuff today. Uh, preach away. But no, um, actually, I'm not totally sure about that. But I do know that um, Dan Call wanted Uncle Nearest to teach his team how to make whiskey. And at this point, Uncle Nearest is already a notable uh, figure for making whiskey, actually, um, which is really a, a unique story, I guess, in large, large uh, amount of ways of looking at this, because Uncle Nearest at the time is a slave. Um, so he's down there. He's teaching Dan Call's team how to make whiskey. And Dan Call says, look, you know, I really want to see if we can get someone to take over this distillery because his whole his wife was kind of putting pressure on him because, the, you know, you can't be a pastor and distill whiskey. And she's like, look, you kind of got to make a decision here. And so he was like, all right, cool. No worries. And uh, so they basically decided that they were going to give the distillery to someone, but they didn't know whom. So uh, it was easy to see this young Jasper Daniels really taking to this older uh, Uncle Nearest, and uh, I mean, really took to him well to the point they they later became like a father son relationship. But um, he was really taking to the lessons that he was getting from Uncle Nearest, and largely so. I mean, even though you're nine years old, I get a lot of people like, "Come on, making whiskey at nine, But you know, look, there is no Nintendo Switch. There is no, you know, none of this stuff exists. What else are you gonna do? But learn how to make whiskey. I mean, you and, know, you and no see child all, labor laws either. <laughs> yeah, child labor laws, forget all that. That doesn't exist. You know, nobody cares about that stuff. So, <laughs> so the good thing about it is, you know, he's like learning from Uncle Nearest all this amazing craft. I mean, and it's a very action filled craft in some ways. I mean, a lot, you know, the fires are going on, you know, all these things are happening. And so he really takes well to it so much so that Uncle Nearest does tell Dan Call, look, your go to person is going to be this young Jasper Daniels. I think this is who you're going to want to take this thing over. So, you know, uh, Dan Call was like, cool, go for it. He was like, if you think that would be the guy, then go ahead, pour everything you can into him. See, I put that in there. Pour it. Yeah, I see that. Oh, good job. Good job, Brandy. Yeah, it's coming. I like it. Oh, we're just getting started. We're just getting started. (laughs) So so Uncle Nearest poured all he could into uh, Jasper Daniels. And that's where that relationship really started becoming more than just a mentor relationship, it became much of like a father-son because one thing people fail to uh, kind of keep in mind is that Jasper is a uh, is an orphan and he's staying at the Dan Call farm to basically get bored and to uh, boarding and to, and to just, you know, work. 
but he he grew up um he was a he was an orphan kid and so uh quickly uncle nearest became like a father figure and i tell people this is the best american story for part of that reason because and i'm gonna keep going with that part but i i want to i want you to see that connection of these different cultures coming together for a likely um you know uh, experience in this product and i think that that alone really does kind of create this like you know louise we spoke about this earlier when you're out at a bar and the people that you meet and you speak to it's amazing the connection you make to people you know what i mean yep. so and I'll, I'll go into i guess a little bit later but that is kind of where that story goes into being the best american story for her because now as Uncle Nearest teaches Jasper Daniels. Jasper does learn how to become a very good whiskey maker, so much so that he does eventually buy the distillery from uh, Dan Call for, you know, very low amount. And sure. uh, and so Dan Call then uh, allows him to get the run of the show, you know, and they, they pretty much do what they, you know, do. And they ended up creating, of course, the biggest selling brand of whiskey that we know of today is Jack Daniels. Um, but t- together, they definitely perfected the Lincoln County process and uh, created what we have known to be called now Tennessee whiskey. So that's amazing. Yeah. Yep. That's how I kind of all started. It's crazy how some of that got lost too. And I think it's um, yeah. that that you have you work for a really a wonderful brand that really brought that back to life and brings that forward um, because for for a billion reasons. Yes. That, that it's something that we should hear more of. So awesome. Absolutely. The truth of the spirit, Louise. They, uh-oh, come on, no. Jenna. It, it, it's called the truth of the spirit, right? So you find out all of these facts that have been hidden because of one reason or another, and then prohibition, religion, um, segregation. It was crazy, but the truth of the matter was is that like li- liquor, spirits, have been bringing people of all, you know, all people together Walks. forever. Yeah. So. That's- very true. Absolutely. I mean, I think that that's, you know, one of the biggest things that we see, especially in our company, um, you have all walks of life. Um, and, and, and the thing is, we're there for a story and a legacy. Because one thing that Fawn was definitely um, big on, uh, for those that do not know Fawn Weaver, the CEO, president, founder of uh, Uncle Nearest, amazing woman. I mean, I don't think they make superheroes any any less fantastic than her but uh but but no (laughs) her biggest thing was we want to submit uncle nearest's name um in history and that's that's what we're here to do you know it wasn't ever about becoming the biggest selling or best-selling brand as we are the most awarded brand as we are uh but it wasn't that goal in mind to do this it was simply to cement his name in in history and i believe Day after day, that's exactly what not only our team is doing, but those that, you know, become basically, you know, these unofficial, unofficial brand stewards of the brand uh, after they sample and hear the story. That's what our goal is. I think that's it's very true what you're saying, Mac. One thing that I, I like learning about Uncle Nearest, um, everybody thought it was a marketing scheme at first. Like, who is this person? Right. Like you made yeah. it up. And now you're telling me that Sailor Jerry's that part, you know what I mean? Like you're going down that road of like who these people are, right? Yes. And uh, when you finally find out like, you know, this is all real and relevant and all of that, it's kind of interesting. But to also see where your brand has come 
in such a short amount of time. Yes. It's kind of amazing because like literally I was on 495 and I do live in uh, Washington, D.C. Like, um, well, I live in Maryland, but I was driving on 495 in the DMV and to see Uncle Nearest billboards on the sides of the delivery truck, I was like, oh, look at you guys go because that's just showing how many people drive on that on 495 every day. That made me never even heard of that. And yet Jack Daniels could lose the name on the bottle, right? Jack Daniels could never have that bottle, the name on it ever again. And probably eight out of 10 people of drinking age would know that that black bottle with that shape is Jack Daniels. And I think that you guys are doing a great job on that trajectory of what Maker's Mark does too, to like, look, here's the bottle. Maybe there's no words, but you'll know that bottle because it's constantly in your face. So I love it. I love it. Yeah. That's a good point. I I just want to say that I'm glad you mentioned that because there is a perspective that we on the team have of the company and where we are uh, within the market. But of course, those that, you know, aren't with the team or aren't with the company necessarily to hear what you just said, that is, that is, that's huge. So I really do appreciate that. I mean, I pay attention, right? I think you have to. Yes, you do. (laughs) You know, not only being on this podcast, but, you know, a bar owner, you know, you want to know what everyone's drinking, what they're doing, who's got what, you know, what do you know about it? What don't you know about it? Yes. And it's our job. It's my job as a bartender too, to know what I'm giving you. I love it. But I got to tell you, I got these two glasses of whiskey sitting here and I'm smelling it and I'm thinking, can we get to one? Can we try one? Yes, we can. So the one I tell you to start off with is actually the one that we came out with just recently, which is the 1884. And largely I say that because of course we're going 93 proof in the 1884 versus, you know, 100 proof in the 1856. Um, so I can give you just a little bit of info about it really quick, but uh, every time I do it, I just got to, that smell, oh my gosh. Anyway, uh, the 1884 is aged a minimum of seven years. Again, like I said, it's 93 proof. These barrels are hand-selected by our founders, but this, the biggest part of this, uh, the 1884, is to know that it's blended by our master blender, who's also the fifth generation uh, nearest green descendant, Victoria Edie Butler. Um, and Victoria, to be, it's amazing. I don't know if you know much about her as a person, um, but I want you, we're going to talk about Victoria. I know you want to get this in your mouth right now, so but we'll, we'll come back to Victoria. <laughs> so, but she's a truly amazing person. So let's go ahead right now and just maybe get a nose on this thing. Um, now, you guys already know, I never like to, like to tell people what they should smell, but I love to hear what you smell. So please. To me, it's a little floral. It's got like a, a little, like I'm obviously, you can you get the wood immediately and the vanilla notes, but it's got definitely a light hand of um, floral to it for sure. Gina's obviously, I'm just the novice. I definitely get those vanilla notes though. And that's from the wood, which you should get. Yes. From any tobacco. aging, from any, like from any aging. Talk about, let's, um, so can I, let's ask you a question. Tennessee whiskey, right? We don't follow any mash laws yes. of like bourbon or anything like that, right? Is there any Tennessee whiskey law <laughs> like that? Uh, meaning that what- It has to contain 51%. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, like- yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so we can we could take you through the ABCs of we, what we call the ABC, ABCFs, to be, to be honest. Okay. But- um, Take me through it. I want to know what that means. Okay, really quick. This is some things that we kind of do. So- 
to make okay so tennessee whiskey by definition is a straight bourbon right yeah um but tennessee whiskey does have to follow particulars and that particular will come at the f so right now, let me give you with the, the other ones that it has to be, which make it technically a bourbon. Um, but of course, A, America, the bourbon must be made in America, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, B, barrels must be aged in a new charred oak container. Of course, container is normally going to be a barrel. Um, C, corn. So bourbon must be at least 51% corn. Tennessee whiskey follows the same thing. And again, Tennessee whiskey follows all of these, except, I mean, yeah, except bourbon is different from one particular thing. Uh, D, distillation. Bourbon, just like Tennessee whiskey, must be distilled no higher than 160, going to the barrels no higher than uh, 125. Um, And then the bottle can be no less than 80, right? Uh, 80 proof. E, extras. You cannot add anything extra except for pure water. Now, the one thing that makes Tennessee whiskey different from bourbon is filtration. So Tennessee whiskey has to do all those things I mentioned, but it also adds in that Lincoln County uh, process. And so that additional step normally leads to a six and a half month longer process. And of course, a longer process means more money, (laughs) but at the same uh, breath, it is definitely um, gonna be, should be a much smoother uh, experience when you have the, the sip. Now, the Lincoln County process is, you know, the, the entire thing, of why Uncle Nearest is such a huge uh, part of this story is because he and Jack Daniels, of course, perfected Lincoln County process, but Lincoln County process is basically a filtration. And I tell you, for the lack of better terms, it's like a big Breta. It just basically filters out all of the impurities. It's an easier way to remember it. Uh, but, you know, it's so funny because when you tell this story, sometimes people are like, oh, I can actually, because it's a charcoal filtration process, okay? Yep. But we have said this before. As we say, oh, I can actually taste that. I'm like, Man, if you could taste a Brita, you know, you, you're, you're pretty good. I don't know. You know, you, you might need to go somewhere, man. You might, you made it. But um, basically, it just takes out the impurities. And, uh, you know, again, this is largely a big part of what was important because that filtration process was originally created in West Africa. So when you're having this West African process of filtration, whether it be an Uncle Nearest, whether it be in Jack Daniels, whether it be in George Dickel, whatever it might be, any Tennessee whiskey, that filtration process was first created and, and introduced due through a West African process of filtration. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Really? Yeah, and that's something. And that's the thing. I think a lot of people at that time, you know, we glance over it, but when you, when you, you know, if you were to just, when it boils down to it, when you're drinking Tennessee whiskey, the one thing that makes this different from a bourbon is a West African process of filtration. And it's just like, wow, that, that kind of then brings that whole circle of, of knowledge that you just got from Uncle Nearest back around to itself and go, oh, that's even more reason why this particular person is important to that entire category of whiskey. That's amazing. That is amazing. And you know what's really crazy about that whole thing is if you really think about where the birth of distillation started there's the argument that the egyptians started it right yes and then it all spread from that area so all would totally make sense it does but i mean heck think about it people supposedly originated from africa so that area has always been a place where a lot of things started you know and and but but again that's why i say the best american story you know we're not and i think the way people misunderstand this story 
is they quickly try to figure out, like most people, where do I fit in this story? And by doing that, you're excluding or you're, or you're really, you're, you're missing the point of the human collective story right. that we're talking about. Even right now, you take a picture of the three of us on here, you're looking at a very different group. You know what I'm saying? And for so a lot of many reasons. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, I'm, but I mean, but I'm saying though, but that matters. I mean, whether we're talking about Gina's Porsche or, yeah. you know. I wish I had a Porsche. Yeah. <laughs> No, you, you know, know what? I don't want a Porsche. Paid. I want enough money to buy a Porsche, and I'd probably donate the money because I'm such a like a crazy person. I'm oh like, man! Well, listen, I'll keep my Venmo open if you. Feel I know, like doing right? <laughs> I I did a lot of I did I do a lot. I you need, do, but I love how you just described this. I actually wrote it all down because I really think that this is something uh, interesting to do. The ABC and then yeah, yeah, because like I I think it's an interesting way to like to process it, right? Like. You know, of course, I know, you know, the law is a bourbon and then is it a bourbon and then you're done, right? But like, I don't think I really realized that that, that, um, it's funny when you said George Dickel, I started laughing. I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, that's, that stuff like, it's like candy because yeah, it's so it sweet. <laughs> and like, do you, you know, is it pumped with sugar? But maybe it is the filtration process that really strips out those, um, you know, the harsh, the little bit of like the harshness of it. And then really allows the caramelization of the barrel to come through. And like, that's an interesting, I never, I never knew that. Yeah, Dude, well, I really thought in my mind, and this is terrible. For some reason, I always think that they put sugar or like a residual sugar into Tennessee oh. whiskeys because they are sweeter. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing about it is you find out with extras, there can be no other extras except for pure water. So, oh, I do want to mention... To accord, I mean, I want to add a little bit more to that filtration process because Uncle Nearest does two other things that make it a little bit more unique than just other Tennessee whiskeys. Um, one is the coconut carbon mellowing and the other is the diatomaceous earth filtration. And uh, I have a little quick thing written up about both. So I wanted to kind of express those, but the coconut carbon mellowing, this is a filtration process uh, that involves resting the whiskey in steel tanks with natural carbon from coconut shells for 24 to 48 hours. And this process removes even more impurities found in the whiskey. Oh, interesting. Now, the diatomaceous earth filtration uh, is a process that helps remove those fusel oils, the ones that give you the headaches. Um, and so those congeners, and, and that way, you know, our, when you drink our, our, our different expressions, you know, I like to say you're, you're gonna be able to wake up and go right to work tomorrow. Uh, but for those that kind of overindulge, that's a whole different story. <laughs> that was directly, directly at me, right? That was like, no, no, no. I didn't say that, Gina. No, no. Uh, uh. Tell me, <laughs> tell me the second process. What it's called? I, I caught what it was, but what was it called again? Yeah, diatomaceous earth. Yeah. So if you can't say that without slurring, uh, you can only then you know that you have to stop drinking. <laughs> I think that's that's the key. If you can't say that, then it's okay. You need to drink water and um, say good night. Which which is why I say this at the very beginning of this because yeah. towards the end, who knows? I literally have my yeah. notes on the side of here. I don't think I've ever taken this many notes during um, a podcast ever. Oh my gosh! <laughs> Thank you so much. That's awesome. I don't know if you're going to get many more. <laughs> all right let's now let's go back to try sure. now it's opened up even more yeah so yeah you're right so now that we got the the nose on this whole thing i mean i think that the big thing about the nose one thing i never did for the longest is when i smelled it 
I would always close my mouth. But when I started smelling with my mouth open, it did make a big difference. I will admit that. But now you guys have already taken the sip. So let me get right into it. Um, for those that are listening, I would definitely say when you do your first sip of Uncle Nearest, because of that 93 proof, it is a huge, big wallop of, of alcohol in there too with that flavor. So I would say definitely hold it. You know, one thing we say is basically, you know, create a, like a cup. Your tongue should create like a cup and just kind of hold that whiskey there. Um, technically until your mouth starts, starts to naturally water. But if you can't hold it that long, which I totally don't, I totally understand, uh, three to five seconds, then swallow. But I would say this, don't let that first sip be what you, uh, don't measure it or think of it that way. You need to go ahead and get a second, to be honest. So I'm always get my flavor from the second. Mm. It's really smooth. There you go. That's that Lincoln County process. Nice round. It's really, it's nice. It like hits you mid palate. Mm. I'm kind of into that. I think you're nailing it right there, Gina. It does hit you mid palate. It is, it is nice and round. It's, I, for me, this is a very easy taste. Um, it's, it's nothing to me that's, well, let me say this. One thing that I will say that I did get from the very beginning and I still get is I get those Baker type of um notes like uh we you know we've said oatmeal cookie yeah we've said things like that so it has that that sweeter notes on there for me i get an oatmeal cookie i get i always get the things you said before the wood the vanilla all that stuff the toffee i tend to get i don't know but that's also me i love sweets i like that oatmeal cookie yes. like that raisiny there kind you go. of yeah 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 mm-hmm. i know what you're talking about that clovey mm. cardamomy clovey yeah. Ab- yeah absolutely not really clovey, like uh, more like uh, I don't know, like uh, allspice. Cl- you know, like allspice has that clove appeal to it, but it's allspice, like that drammy thing. That's what's coming. There you go. There. I think you're nailing that. Um, yeah, it's what. Do you think I have a future in in booze? Say it again. <laughs> do you think oh, I, have I, a I think you do. Booze? I think you might have just. You know, we'll, we'll have to see. You still need to get a little bit more practice and get a little more refined. I gotta get. I gotta get older. Man, man, That's the gracious. deal, right? And then they'll be like. Oh, Gina, she's so wise because she's old as You know, I'll tell you what, this, this is one of the most beautiful things about working in this industry, right? You know you have a future at the age of 70. You know what I mean? You can, you can yeah, still be in this yeah. business and do well. So, but I do like this because I think that- As long as your to, liver is still holding up. Yeah, absolutely. Well, well, that's why you do, like you said, Louise, you, you know, you, you go ahead and make sure you get that, that water in. I mean, you know, this is, look, I can't do these tastings every day. I mean, I could, but, you know. We'll, we'll see how that might go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Should we? Uh, you want to go and try the 56? What do you think, Gina? You ready? I am ready. I can't stop writing stuff down. So I apologize. I don't normally take notes, Louise. Okay. I'm I know. Kind of like I know. I, 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 I'm on this every show with you, Gina. I've never seen you write anything down. Mitchell. I'm flattered. Let me ask you this. So as average consumer standing there, I see them. That's awesome. What Whoa. do you, how would you recommend somebody drinking this? Good, good point. The 1884. Okay. Right. So I think the average consumer, to me, the 1884 is a good, um, for, for, and I'm only saying this based on our expressions. Yep. So based on the expressions that we have and largely it's these two, I mean, we do have that third expression, the 1820, the unicorn, um, which I'll talk about, but between these two, I like to say that the 1884 is the social butterfly. 
1884, if you're going to create a cocktail, the 1884 is the one you want. It parties well with others. Um, I think that the 56, when you have it next, to me, now I love to drink straight. I love to drink neat. But uh, the 56 to me gives me exactly what I want neat. I can't, when I do mix it in a cocktail, there's nothing wrong with it. It's still fine. But as a neat um, sip, I, the 56 stands up so well, depending on, I mean, and, and again, this, this is something that's not just me. I mean, we've, we are the most awarded brand of uh, bourbon or American whiskey for, for 2019 and 2024 Congratulations. Um, and I remember a lot of this, and a lot of this people always say, oh, well, that's because of your story. No, no, no. These are blind tastings. So people don't know what they're drinking. They just go, oh, this, this gets the gold, this gets the double gold, whatever. And um, I think that's largely because next, when you get into the 56, you'll see what I'm saying. I think the body and the strength of the 56 holds you in a different kind of way. The, the 84, social, good cocktail mix, uh, also good, neat, but I, I think on ice is even is good too. But this 56 has a little bit more of an oomph to it. Um, of course, it is 100 proof. Uh, I, will, I will admit- I'm a, fave. I love, um, I like all whiskey, like around 100, 101, yes. 102. That's a, that is, For me, that's the sweet spot. It's like, it's, you know, it's, it's, I, I just, I like bonded. It's, um, it's just good for me. It just works for me. Well, I think you nailed it also with that is because a lot of, a lot of those that are going to be around that time, around that uh, proof are going to be a little bit older as well. Um, and you can even see with the 56, the color difference than the 84. So our 1856 is aged around eight, uh, eight to 14 years. We like to say it's an 18 year old, I mean, an eight year old with 14 year old uh, characteristics. Um, but it is, uh, it is definitely a hundred proof. Um, oh, I felt to mention 1884 is the year we believe these, these years matter to us. Okay. Cause some people always think, oh, this wasn't made in 1884. It was made in 2000. <laughs> okay. Gotcha. That's not why we put this number on the bottle. The bottle, the number, uh, 1884 signifies the year we believe, um, uncle nearest last put whiskey in a barrel and the 1856 is the year we believe, uh, well, not we believe, the year that the um, Lincoln County process was perfected. So, and if you note this other thing about the label, when you see our labeling, the year again, this is so cool actually, let me make sure I'm, I'm doing this right. So the year, yep. you see this first, it's big, right? But that year connects to Uncle Nearest, connects to his history of the Dan Call Farm. Okay. Now this is something I just say. I don't know if this is how they actually thought about it, but if you look at every bottle, that is, it's a story in itself. So if you're saying, if you want to tell this story, first look at the year, then think about Uncle Nearest and think about how that connects to the Dan Call Farm, because that's kind of how it does it. So 1856, the year Uncle Nearest perfected the Lincoln County process, uh, with his with his connection to Jack Daniels that he met at the Dan Call Farm, you know, and it all kind of gives you that flow of a story constantly. You're constantly hit with story with this, but sorry. <laughs> no, I love how I love how he's he you know he's uh he's a a whiskey geek and then the brand geek. He Gina, he's like the perfect combination for you and I. He's like if there were if you and I had a child, it would be Mac. <laughs> Let's do it. It's me. I, I, I take that. I'll take that any day. 
If I have two gorgeous mothers like this, are you kidding me? That love to drink whiskey? Oh my gosh. My whiskey drinking mom. Exactly. My mom's they, they didn't feed me milk. They fed me, they fed me whiskey. I love it. <laughs> so so this 56, I mean, even the nose on it. Mm. Now you're gonna get a large amount of the of similar, but I think you're gonna start going a little bit it's going to open up to different places, right? This is kind of like a, a bigger tree, I think, in some ways. But again, let me know your experience. It's going to sound ridiculous, but um, it's chewy to me. Mm. Like that's really like, uh, like, like it's chewy. I, like my, I'm like, it's chewy. Oh, no, I no. Know, gum. It's good. Do you, will you, when you say that, are you also referring to after you drink it, the, the way your mouth is still watery? slightly or no yeah yeah but yeah. i feel like it's chewy like i could almost bite it if this mm. was like a biteable thing oh it's chewy it's good mm. it's got meat to it mm -hmm. it's more than it's more than round it's meaty mm. that's not a real term in whiskey knowledge but i like to say meaty. hey look it's a term if you say it it looks like I'm, I'm describing a steak. It's very cheap. But no, that's good. I think, listen, if anybody in whiskey would not want their whiskey to seem like a steak I mean, a steak is a good thing to go ahead and say it is. I mean, it's chewy, it's flavorful. But I think that you're also talking about like, or referring to even those that density in the in the uh, in the flavor profiles. I mean, there's there's is a, a little bit more of a density and weight to this one. Um, I, and I mean, there's a large amount that that 100 proof. You're gonna fill it. Yeah. It also yeah, it also know. delivers, right? So you're getting yeah. those floral notes still, like some more subtle, more vanilla now. But like, but like you're, but it's delivering like um, a little bit, you expect there by the smell to be a little softer than it is. And then it comes bold right at you. So it's, it's good. I mean, uh, I feel like it's nice. It's bold, but in a really nice way. I mean, it's, it's, a, yeah. it's, um, it's, fem it's, yeah, it's got, it still has, it's, it's, that's what I'm saying. It still has its floral, like characteristic, a lot of vanilla, like more vanilla, like yep. blossomy than just the wood. And then it's big. It is. And and yet finishes and it finishes so smooth. That's the thing I think when I first had it was the thing that sold me was the was the finish. Yeah. I mean, more than just the, the palette on it. The palette was amazing. I mean, some people have even told us things like, which are the more difficult ones to hit, but after you hear it, Marzipan. If you can get Marzipan out of that, I mean it takes a while, but I'm like, oh yeah. But uh but Marzipan. Uh, the butterier notes in, in both of these. I mean, but but I think for me, and enjoying whiskey the way that I learned it, and I learned it through just stealing whiskey out of my dad's cupboard um, since I was probably 13. Sorry, I hope mom, sorry, mom, if you're listening. But uh, I remember kind of just going through that. <laughs> my dad was a whiskey man, definitely a Jack Daniels man. And uh, I just remember, because uh, I, I was actually a scotch person before I got into bourbons. Nothing wrong and, with that. Um, I know, nothing wrong with a good scotch, right? I was a Highland scotch uh, preference uh, for quite some time. But but this one, you're right. I think it has that meatiness. I think it has that complexity. Um, that heat and that sweet by that by that smooth finishes. I think is, when is you you for me you pulled it together because again I'm the novice here. When you said the buttery, I'm like, oh, I definitely get butter. And I think for me that's where I get that mm -hmm. chewy mouth feel that Gina's talking about, where mm. it's that that space. It's Really, it, it is, and I'm not a, a, a whiskey drinker by, I mean, I enjoy it, but I mean, it's not, it's not my go-to. And this is, this is really good. 
Thank you so much, Louise. I appreciate it. One thing that helped me for those that are non-whiskey drinkers, um, if you get really good at being able to hold it in your mouth and like kind of let it move around your tongue as you kind of salivate, I know it sounds crazy and I think I'm don't want to sound bad. I am biting this, my but, tongue because there's about 18 jokes. I can imagine. I can imagine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of a lot of jokes that could pop out of that one. But but I think that if you get really good at that part of whiskey, for one, it is let me let me go ahead and, and express this real quick. But I think for those non-whiskey drinkers, there is definitely a a lifestyle or maybe a uh, a practice that a lot of whiskey drinkers kind of do that's similar to like the, the wine drinkers, right? So you kind of let it, let that, let that whiskey really give itself a time to almost bond with your, with your body, you know, in a way. <laughs> like let it bond in your mouth. It sounds weird. Yeah. And again, I know all my, all my comments always kind of, but that's got but, a uh, connotation let it, there. Let it bond. I'm telling you, I'm trying my best not to. I don't know. Maybe it's, maybe it's all my it head. Is, I don't it know, is but, springtime, guys. But, uh, <laughs> It is springtime, right? The most fertile time yeah. in summer. Loving, <laughs> had me up. Yeah, that's it. that's where we're at now. But I, but I think if you really let it connect and you and you give it that time, I mean, one thing about whiskey is it should take you a while to drink a two finger pour. You know, that's that's the goal. You don't want to have to keep getting another drink and another drink and another drink. You want to be able to have a drink that can last you through a conversation. Um, and I think this is one that definitely stands up well. I think you're right. <laughs> I think I think this is gonna be a long afternoon for me. But yeah, uh, I'll just keep this going. Yeah. I mean it's a night that's what I miss the most about this COVID time is being able to sit down at a bar and have a lengthy conversation, not be in a rush to go here or go there. And during that time, I don't want to have to keep ordering, give me another one, give me another one, give me another one. If I can sit down and have something that I can actually do like Louise, I can hold that glass. And I'm I'm a very much touchy filly. So even having my ring, yeah. yeah, hit that glass. I love it. I love being able to feel the weight of a nice glass, a nice tumbler. Mm. I like being able to look at the color, going back to the smell, almost smoking it a little bit. You know, and and that even being a satisfaction. I mean, versus just well, it's, the sip. This is going. It's taking it's taking the whiskey to an experience as opposed to just a drink. Bingo. For real. There we go. I'm looking. There we Look go. Me dropping knowledge. Right. Yes, I love it. <laughs> All right, is it it's cocktail time, Gina? I mean, I don't know what's going on right now. Literally, <laughs> I now had like more sips than I should have. 100% of my face is red. I feel it for sure. <laughs> the sun is now starting to beat in on my window. So I'm like, it's hot in here. Is it me? I don't know. There you go. I know. I love that you said that though, Gina, the, the, the physical reaction to it. I love as well. I love how it warms me up no matter what. And I'm like, what's happening? Um, oh, but I, lot but I'm, I'm into it. Like I'm totally into it. So all of that being said, let's, let's get our, we'll get ourselves ready to make a cocktail here. Um, I'm gonna tell you, I feel so bad because I don't have my ingredients. Uh, don't worry about it. I'm gonna make. I'm gonna make I the know, cocktail. I'm gonna make it for everybody at home and try the cocktail sure. later on. And this is a super I easy one because I, I felt like um, that Uncle Nearest, the uh, 1884, was a really great substitute for doing iced coffee drinks. And I'm gonna be honest, yes. I love iced coffee. I live yes. and breathe it. Like literally all year, it could be snowing. 
Um, I love putting a little whiskey in there, whether it's uh, bourbon or scotch or Jack or whatever. You know, just a little, like a little kicker. I have yes. been known before I had children to maybe drink those while I was still working on the line. I don't do that oh. anymore. Um, I have children now, so mo- mommy's not a booze dog. Um, or she is. I don't know. All right. So here it is. I'm going to move this down, and we're just going to go through the drink really fast. It's a quickie. Yes. And it's great. I'm going to use my um, 1884 for this. So, you know, I'm going to bring this back a little bit old school for everybody. So... One of the things that I love about um, espresso and, and, you know, I grew up in New York and having these cold coffee drinks was that, you know, if you ever went to like the little cafes and stuff, they always give you a piece of lemon, right? Well, lemon, coffee, and whiskey, I mean, hello. It's like all a no-brainer, right? So this cocktail is uh, two ounces of Uncle Nearest, the um, 1884. And then we're going to put in there two ounces of cold espresso. Please don't make this drink with hot coffee. Just make the coffee, let it chill, put it in your refrigerator, make it the day before, make a picture of it for your friends the day before, and then use it, right? Don't try to do this um, last minute. Then we're gonna use, and this is really up to you and and if you want to, um, an ounce of vanilla syrup. And you could use, um, you know, you could use any, any really honey, use honey with coffee, which I think is really lovely. Maple syrup with coffee, also really lovely. Um, or vanilla syrup or hazelnut, it's kind of really up to you. Just something to lightly sweeten it. And then this is gonna be important, and I normally tell everybody to, uh, you could just squeeze a little bit of your lemon juice using a hand squeezer. This is the first time I'm gonna say, you really need to measure, because you only need a quarter ounce of fresh squeezed lemon juice. So I'm gonna squeeze it into my jigger to make sure that we have a quarter ounce. Um, because nice. any more than that, you're going to lose the flavor of the whiskey between the coffee mm-hmm. and you're going to lose all that beautiful notes. So you have a quarter ounce of fresh lemon juice, and then we're going to fill our shaker top with three full of ice. And that's three quarters full in your shaker. And now we're going to shake. I wish I had this. I so wish so, I had it. Uh, one of the things you have to make sure when you're when you're doing this drink is you can write your name on your shaker tin. It's nice and icy. Then your drink is ready. If it is not, then you need to shake some more. And I'm gonna just show you that your top should be nice and frothy because you're uh, really looking for that head. And you know, a lot of people would say maybe that's what he said, but in this day, <laughs> but in this day and age, you have to say that's what them said. So there you go. There you go. Nice, All right. nice. So we're gonna pour nice. our our frothy, foamy, delicious, lemony, Uncle Nearest oh, wow. vanilla coffee drink, <sighs> which I think is really lovely for summer. And if you did it yes. right, you're gonna get this nice foam on top. And no, there's no egg in it. And we're not really, you know, adding too much more to it. And here's what something we could do. Let's show every show you. Is for a garnish on here, you really don't, you're putting the garnish on to garnish. You're not really using this garnish to do anything much more than that. So you could take your um, knife and you can just kind of run down the side. You're really trying not to get any pith on this because you're really just looking for the, for the oil. Mm-hmm. And we're going to cut it. And of course, we're going to cut it one more time because I want to make it look pretty. One more time, one more time. 
And now you're just going to fan these a little bit. Ah. And if I'm trying to do this and not cut my hand off, here we go. And I'll just, just going to give it a little peacock feather, if you will, because we're going to show off it. a little bit that, like, we really love our drink. It can hang out on there. And, of course, you can have your fun with your lemon and however you want to do it, but I'm going to do mine a little bit like that. And that's it. Ooh. And if you really, uh. really have time to stick it to it, you could really just, you know, fan it out and do whatever. So oh here we go. Did it. Let me say. Oh. Let me say, let me say. Good job. Yes, you did. She really is getting better than me. I'm going to quit soon. All right. <laughs> Except they're all her recipes, and I slowly watch her. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. Perfect. Hmm. Mac, you're missing right? out. I wish I had your sip. You're though. missing out. I know. I know. Listen, I'm getting mine tonight, no doubt, because I, I am a. Trust me, I'm a coffee guy. Babe, I have the coffee guy, card so. for you. Well, she She's made this good. just for you. I know. But, I know. I know. I'm gonna. But don't get worry. It. Don't worry. When you are ready, it'll be um, on designateddrinker.show. That's ah. designateddrinker.show. All of Gina's tricks and tricks and trips and all the other tippa-tuppas will be there on how to make this cocktail <laughs> and all the rest. <laughs> and all of the tala blah 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 blah. That's Love what it. happens It's like an episode you... of Snoopy here. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I know all the adults are like blah blah blah. Meanwhile, Charles Schultz just knew that everyone was drunk as adults and the kids only heard them slurring. Exactly. <laughs> anyway. Good point. Um, so on your smartphone, all you have to do is swipe up and you'll have those uh, all those notes the links to get to the website to get to the to the um, recipes, but we'll also make sure that you have the link to get to uh, Uncle Near, so you can learn more about the whiskeys and find out where you can get it. Yay! Housekeeping. I love it. All right, all right. So in this day and age, everybody identifies themselves as some sort of spirited animal, either being mythical, like the unicorn. And you identify with the magical being of it and all those things. Um, if you can identify yourself as one spirit ingredient, whether it's in cocktails or in food, what would you be and why? <laughs> and, you, and you're saying me as an ingredient or not? Yeah. What, what ingredient defines you? Wow. Um, oh, my gosh. That is a huge question. Cause that's something I never had to think about. Let me say this first. I am a man of, I could eat the same food every day for a week, but I cannot necessarily, I'm pickier on my drinks. So gosh, that's hard. Um, gosh, man, I was about to say one. Okay. I was about to say corn, but the problem with corn is you can't digest it. <laughs> so I think you can digest me. Damn it, I hope that's not another innuendo. But I think <laughs> I think you can digest me so it wouldn't be corn. So uh No, I like corn. Say, I like corn. Why couldn't you be juicy like and too, sweet so, and versatile? That's what I was thinking. I was think they so all that you just said, let's go with that. Cause I'll probably keep thinking and you guys don't have you much can, time. You can you can we can uh, add to that later. <laughs> Every time when we post your uh your episode, you can be like, maybe I'm not corn. I am fava beans because <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, thank you right. for being here with yes. us, Mac. And this is amazing. And I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm not going to lie. I'm going to finish this. 
And I'm, yes. and I'm gonna probably do one of these, so I'm not really sure. But cheers. <laughs> I love it. Cheers. cheers. Thanks for Thank bringing you. the amazing product and bringing so much knowledge and helping us understand everything that's happening at Uncle Nearest. And uh, can't wait to hang out. Absolutely. Thank you, ladies. Thanks, moms. <laughs> cheers. <laughs> See you. Cheers. The Designated Drinker Show is produced by Missing Link, a podcast media company that is dedicated to connecting people to intelligent, engaging, and informative content. Also in the Missing Link lineup of podcasts is Roger That, a podcast dedicated to guiding you through the haze of dementia, led by skilled caregivers Bobby and Mike Carducci. Now, if you're looking for a whole new way to enjoy the theater, check out Between Acts, an immersive audio theater podcast experience. Each episode takes you on a spellbinding journey through the works of newfound playwrights, from dramas to comedies and everything in between. Find Missing Link's League of Podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. Please don't forget to subscribe, download, and review the shows. Your review helps our shows reach new audiences. To find out more about Missing Link, visit missinglink.company. That's missinglink.company.